Good morning, Sheila. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Wayne. I'm excellent. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you. And welcome, everyone, to 27 Minutes with Sheila and Wayne, where we explore the fascinating world of verbs and their impact on our daily lives. Join us each week as we delve into the different ways verbs shape our language and influence our interactions, both personally and professionally, as we attempt to make a difference, a positive difference right. in our world, one verb at a time. <laughs> All right. And Sheila, what is our verb for today? Today's verb is to sit, which I have two definitions. I know you have more, but the first is to adopt a position in which one's weight is supported by one's buttocks rather than one's feet and one's back is upright. Ooh. And number two is to be or remain in a particular position. Okay. Then I won't give you my first one because it's close. Okay. So here's my others. Okay. To be a model for a painter, photographer. Ah, uh, yes. To stay in one place for a long time and not be used. Mm -hmm. To be in a particular position, as you said. To fit someone in a particular way. Mm. To hold an official meeting of a committee, court, mm. etc. And to be a member of an official group. I have three more. Okay. To take an exam. I know we've all sat oh, yes. for many exams. Yes. <laughs> Another one to babysit and my oh. last yeah, and my last one to have an official meeting or series of meetings. Okay. And, and I have some exciting news. Let's hear it. We have now you can we can now add Turkey to our countries that have listened. Yay. So yay, thank you, Turkey. Oh, Turkey. And thank you to whoever introduced Turkey to our podcast. Golly, that makes 19 countries now, ladies and gentlemen, that we have been listening to. So thank you very much. We are very thank excited you. about yes, that. Thank we appreciate you. you all. Absolutely. And Sheila makes us sound good. So I know she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's our poster, poster person here going leading with that marketing tool. I do have a trivia question here. Okay. And I'll answer it at the end. The question is, what is the hardest thing to train a dog to do? Now, we know that our verb today is to sit. It is not to sit, although that is usually <laughs> the first thing we train our dog to do. Okay. Okay. Hardest, hardest thing, okay, to train yep. a dog to do. Yep. All right. And okay. let me give you a few quotes just to get us started here. Oh, please do. Okay. Winston Churchill said, courage is what it takes. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. Teddy Roosevelt said, if you could kick the person in the pants who is responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit down for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Albert Einstein, although I question if this is a legitimate quote because it sounds too funny. Uh, when you are courting a new girl, hours seem like seconds. When you sit on a red hot cinder, a second seems like an hour. That's relativity. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's yes. jump into the word now, though. Oh, yeah, let's do that, because I have lots to say, and I'm sure you do as okay, well. Okay, I do, I do. Okay. Can I just throw in one here? Please. Mayo Clinic says sitting is the new smoking. Did sitting you is the new it? smoking. Sitting is the new smoking. There's a meta study, which they took all the other studies, 13 other studies, and kind of reviewed them all and came up with the results that those who sit for over eight hours a day are as much at risk of dying of obesity as, or at, of dying as those who are obese or who are smokers. 
So the, the recommendation is to take a break every 30 minutes to walk over to the furthest copier, uh, to flex your feet and move around your arms and shoulders as you're sitting and don't, don't just sit solidly still. So on to you. Isn't that great how verbs bring us together? Because I have a study from the Harvard Health Publishing, okay. from Harvard Medical School, that suggests basically the same thing of what you said. Oh, great. It says a growing body of evidence suggests that spending too many hours sitting is hazardous to your health. Okay. Habitual inactivity raises risk for obesity, as you've mm-hmm. suggested, right. diabetes, cardiovascular disease, deep vein thrombosis, and metabolic syndrome. In the article, they suggested, like you said, again, set a timer to remind you to get up and move around ever so often. Mm-hmm. Take your phone calls standing up. Ah. Try an adjustable standing desk for your computer. I've Instead seen of, those. Yeah. yeah. Instead of sitting in an armchair while watching TV, sit on a <laughs> on one of those stability balls. <laughs> oh, which, yeah. Which makes you use your muscles to stay upright. And yes, do our joint pain relief exercises. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I did hear a caution about sitting on those exercise balls because I was reading about that too. Some people use them at their desk. The catch is it's as easy to have poor posture when you forget that you're supposed to be sitting on it with good posture. Ooh. And once you once you fall into the poor posture, it's just as bad as sitting in a chair. So you just have to be really conscious the whole time that you're using your best posture. And the first time I sat on one of those, it looked like a wrestling match. And I think the, the, the sitting <laughs> ball won. <laughs> I was on not the floor. For everybody. It's I was on the floor everybody. a couple of times. I, I just have to say. <laughs> well, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> yes. And, and, and so that was one article that I saw. May, okay. I, may I talk about another article? Please do. This, and this article was from Psychology Today. And it's, it was, it's written by Bernardo Tirado. I hope I pronounced that name right, Bernardo Tirado. Anyway, it talks about the power seat and where you sit matters. Ah, yeah. I found this article fascinating because many of these things I think most of us already know. I think it's just common knowledge that in a boardroom, the long table, the boss typically sits at the end, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, okay. Um, But I found this interesting because it say gave some things that I really didn't realize. And I learned something today. And I, as I was out walking with my wife, and I got to be brief, I know, because I, w- I have a lot to say. Okay. Was, as I was out walking with my wife this morning, I told her about one of these things that she looked at me like, huh, she had never thought of that either. But anyway, okay. here we go. That's so, the, so the power seat has to do with the power dynamics between where you sit and the rest of the group. And it said, for the most part, we've all been exposed to group setting dynamics, starting out with our family. Mm-hmm. So as children, we learn to pick up on social cues to make mm. sure that we conform to the norms, listen to that, to conforming to the norms around us. And one of these norms is known as the power seat, which is the seat that we unconsciously designate as the one that has the most authority. And that has such a huge impact on groups and teams and organizations, as I found teaching leadership, it is absolutely true. And they say, for example, think back when to think back to when you were a child having a family dinner. Mm-hmm. Who, would, who would sit at the head of the table? Mom and dad, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Some of us 
our mom and dad would sit at opposite sides of the dinner table. And for others, our mom and dad would sit right next to our dad or mom. Yeah. would sit right next oh. to our dad in the corner position as in the, a supportive role. Okay. And I thought, Ooh, that's kind of cool. Last thing they said was think of a wedding where you, uh. attend, including yours, if that's applicable, it says, where did the bride and groom sit? They sat in the middle. And then the most important guests were to their immediate left or right. Similar to what you would find in Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper painting. Ah. Where the most important figures sat in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the strap hangers kind of got <laughs> down to the, the not... You know, not totally unimportant, but the least important, um, but the closest mentor, the closest, um, um, I guess the closest persons to being the, the next in charge were sitting right uh, next to there you. Go. The, yeah. Okay. I'll say it yep. that way. Okay. But, okay. Anyway. Uh, so I will, I will go to you cause I'm talking too much. So please. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, the first thing I want to mention is a study I read about, um, uh, for, this is from uh, NIH in 2007, National Institutes of Health, and they they measured the the doctor's posture and the influence on patients' perception of time spent at the, spent at the bedside versus the actual time that the huh. provider spent at the bedside. And the conclusion was when the medical provider is standing, the patient underestimates the time that they are spending together. When the provider is sitting, they overestimate the time that the patient is, uh, that the provider is spending with them. Mm. Um, all providers, most all providers overestimated the time, whether they were standing or sitting, that they spent with the patient. And uh, neither of them felt that the care that they received was impacted by standing or sitting. Um, but the final note is that medical training teaches providers to sit when they're giving bad news. And I think everybody can agree that that is a better way, especially female patients preferred yes. a doctor sitting. Yes. So that was that was good to know. But what's the next thing? Let's keep moving on. Okay. The next thing, in the same article written by Bernardo Tirado, he says that in case... Uh, in the case where when you sit at either end of the table, mm -hmm. you send a few unspoken messages to the people who sit around you. And these messages are, there's three of them, you are the leader, mm -hmm. you are in control, and you are there to intimidate. Well, I hope I, that's not at the family dinner. <laughs> I found that interesting that you're yes. there to intimidate. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, if you sit in the middle seat, you send a whole other set of messages such as, so you're not on the end anymore, now you're in the middle. You are a part of the team. You okay. are approachable and you are there to collaborate. And I thought, how cool was that? Now I know I had one boss who had his desk and, and I'll talk about CEOs later, but you know he had the huge desk and it was in big office and all this kinds of things. But what he would do, or not but, and what he would do when he would bring individuals in to kind of like brainstorm or just have a discussion, mm -hmm. he had a round table mm. off in the corner. He would get up from his desk, from his mm -hmm. power position, or power seat, as this mm -hmm. article suggests. He would get up from there, and he would invite everyone to sit at the round table. Now, round table, we think of... King Arthur, right? Right. 
And what's the significance of the round table? Most, okay, you were going to say something, what? Everybody's in it together. Everybody has equal weight. Everyone has equal weight. And then Bernardo said something that I never realized. And I said, huh. He said, the way that you make the round table back towards the oval table and putting yourself at the end is you slide your chair back ever so slightly. Mm. Not too far. He says, if you go too far, then people think that you're out of the group. But mm. if you pull it back ever so slightly and you begin talking and you begin talking with authority, mm-hmm. people will turn their respective chairs towards you. All of a sudden, now you're at the head of the table, even though it's round. Interesting. I found that to be absolutely fascinating. I am just going to do a lot of people watching next time I'm at a restaurant, say, and there are round <laughs> tables. That is interesting. Yes. Yes. Isn't, isn't that cool? That's cool. I thought that was very cool. Yes. Okay. I want to jump please. in here quickly. Jump Last in. night I had dinner with some some lovely friends, and we were talking about this verb because they were asking what we were going to be discussing today. And uh, they talked about the value of sitting at a family dinner. And there was research done, uh, but there's been a lot of research done about family dinners and the benefits to the family, not just for nutrition and less fat and salt in the meal generally, (laughs) but also in terms of mental health. And they say that 91% of parents reported that families were significantly less stressed when eating together regularly and young females especially benefited from this. Hmm. Some of the benefits were talking over family issues, talking over, uh, you know, how to handle things in the world. And, oh, and by the way, you don't need to be the perfect family to reap the benefits of this. You don't? You do not. Well, uh, although, Wayne, come on, you guys are the perfect family. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, no. You can ignore that advice. Oh, please don't even go there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, then uh, I'll let you go. But but what I'm going to talk about next is a a study done during the pandemic about family dinners and what people perceived their experiences were like. So, oh, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. I'm I'm excited. I'm listening. Well, this was a study done in May 2021 by Massachusetts uh, General Hospital Psychiatric Academy and an organization called Making Caring Count, which is from Harvard Graduate School of Education. And this was a self-reported survey that they put out. Uh, 51% of parents who self, this is self-reporting, said that uh, they were doing family dinners more frequently. 65% said they received more help from the family. So having kids participate was part of the the, uh, communal experience. 59% said that they laughed more over their meal. So these, not all bad things happened during, a lot of bad things happened, but not everything was bad. 50% said that their family members expressed gratitude more often, and 49% said they felt more connected. Now, just a few more statistics here. 53% of parents said they wanted to continue this after the world opened up again. They wanted to continue the benefits of the family meals. 7% said, no way, can't wait to go back to the restaurants. I hate cooking. (laughs) So, really? Yes. How fun. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm going to make sure to have a family dinner with Fred tonight. Okay. <laughs> well, I won't have a family dinner with Fred, but oh, okay. But right. not, not tonight anyway, yes. Not tonight. Another <laughs> night. Another night. Another night. Another okay. night. Yes. Pretty cool. Okay. And talking about family dinners, segue yes. back into the article written by Bernardo. Yes. He says, I also get asked if these concepts apply to other tables, shapes. 
And he said, the answer is yes. And he said, in square tables, everyone gets to sit in a combative and corner position. Combative and corner position. So they all are on a corner. You know know about the corner office, right? With the windows on both sides. Right, yes. Corner position. He says, typically, the most resistance will come from the person seated directly opposite you. Oh. In the gunslinger position. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds even better. And he says, and when four people are seated, everyone has someone sitting opposite them. And so, and I have noticed that. I have noticed that most of the discussions are face-to-face, head-on with the person right in front of you. I've not seen Mm. many times where a elongated discussion goes crossways. Hmm. Okay. have been people. I, uh, you know, obviously we, we do interject crossways, but he says most of the time it's going to come down to who's sitting in front of you, and that's where the conversation is going to go. I'm going to pay more attention to that. Yeah, and the I, contrarian in me says I'm going to start side conversations. There you go. <laughs> yes. yes. And he says similar to the square table, the power seat would be created by moving the chair back slightly on the round table if you don't need the seats next to you, remove them. And I thought again, okay, that's just making the distance Mm -hmm. perspective. Again, you're keeping distance. You've now elongated the the round table to an oval table, and it's them against you or you against Hmm. them. Okay. And I thought, wow, it was a it was a very fun article to read um, and enlightening. And I thought, huh. So he says, so the next time you sit with your client or at a meeting, be aware of where you sit or who's sitting where. You will start to notice the power dynamics change based on who's sitting next to whom. (laughs) And so what he says is, if you see those dynamics playing, change them. Yes. Like you just said. Right. (laughs) Yes. And what's Um, next on on your topics to talk to us about? Oh, this is just a fun fact. Um, Years ago when I was in college, my roommates and I, would take tur- we lived together all four years and we would take turns cooking and cleaning and we would eat dinner together so we enjoyed the f- the concept of family dinner together but the long term effect we never would have guessed is that over 40 years later we still get together on saturday mornings as often as possible and nice. have breakfast together and just chat for a couple hours about you know we solve the problems of the world excellent yeah Not much like we're doing here much like we're doing here by by changing but making a difference one verb at a time. That's right. And Sheila, where can our listeners find you or Thanks contact you? Yes, I can be reached at Zeke and Sheila at yahoo.com. And I can be reached at Wayne at mindsinking.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-Y-N-C-I-N-G.com. My website is www.mindsinking.com. Please stop by, pop by, send yes. us a note. Give us some feedback. Let us hear what you have to say. Yes, and recommend a verb. And recommend a verb. And I, my neighbor has recommended a verb. And if he's listening to this, he's going to say, uh-oh, I hope Wayne doesn't say my name. So I won't, <laughs> I won't say your name. Okay. <laughs> but he, he wants us to talk about repeal next time. We never announce ahead of time the word that we're going to work on, but this is a first for us. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. So thank you, Wayne's neighbor. <laughs> We're just breaking records right and left here. We we are. Yeah, nineteen countries. Turkey's the, the latest country listening. Yes, this is good. Thank, <laughs> you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Now, I took Bernardo's model and I came up with a couple, just two um, examples. And I said, using this article, this article from Bernardo as a model, let's look at the position others use to formulate position of power, positions okay. of power. All right. And I said, and I, I'm asking the question to everyone, where does a judge sit in a courtroom? And a judge typically sits at the head of the room, mm -hmm. away from the masses, if you will, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on a higher platform right. so, yes. so that everyone has to look up to them. And they are surrounded by huge desks and mm -hmm. there's a there's a, a a guard there and and everything which suggests that this person is in a power position and we all have to rise when they come in and rise when they leave mm -hmm. and so again unconsciously and consciously we know that this person is the person in the position of power i said where so when you think of ceos where do they sit and I thought, hmm, about that judge concept. Mm -hmm. I said they sit on the highest floor in some buildings in mm -hmm. large in a large office, mm -hmm. guarded, and I have the words guarded in quotes, mm -hmm. guarded by a cadre of administrative assistants yeah. and and other C-suite individuals, and usually behind again a huge desk right. with a large wingback chair. And typically, it's a little bit higher so that when yeah. <laughs> individuals come in to sit, they're sitting just a little bit lower, which gives that, <laughs> that power. Yeah. yeah. Right. That little power struggle there is it, everything says power, power, power. So, right. I thought, right. How cool is that? <laughs> Maybe this is just in television, but I read, I, I, I heard once where they would, um, they would shorten the front legs of the chair that the guest would sit in so that they were kind of <laughs> off the chair, a little bit uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and then, now you know me, I, I have to go into the positive side, okay? I'm, I was waiting. We, we talked about a lot of these, not, well, we talked about a lot of negative things, but we also talked mm -hmm. about some things that were maybe not negative or positive. But I did go to what are some positives that we can take away from the Good. verb sit? Excellent. And I thought because I love to barbecue and I love to 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 roast a tenderloin every now and then. Ooh. So when cooking, especially with a meat, when it's time in the oven, when it's time in the oven is complete, we let it sit yes. on the counter and rest. And yeah. why do we do that? You, you, you're it, a cook. It, so that the juices reabsorb into the meat and make it nice and juicy when you cut it. And it continues to cook. Even and a little it continues bit to cook. Yes. yes, right? Yes. And it's not being dried out by either the the grill or the oven. Um, so there we go. A positive sitting, letting the meat sit outside just to, as you said, to rest. Good. I was taught over the years when writing an article or a book or a yearly appraisal on one of my direct reports, I was told by a friend, all right, once you have looked at it, 15, 20 times and you just looked at it at nauseum and you you think it's all great. They told me, put it in a drawer, put it in a drawer, oh. close the drawer, let it sit there, let it sit there. Do you notice that? For yeah. two days. Oh. Don't even look at it. On the third day, pull it back out, reread it. You would be surprised at what you might find. Hmm mistakes okay. or other things that you <laughs> wanted to, to put in there. But yeah. again, let that paperwork sit and then come back to it. And wow, 
things happen, positive things happen. I'm looking at the clock. We are at 24 minutes, so I will defer to you. I have one, two, three, four, five, five more points that I would like to try and get in there, but let's go to you. Um, Wayne, the only other thing I'm going to say is there's a great website called thefamilydinnerproject.org, mm-hmm. and it talks about, say you have some kids who are challenged by just sitting and you want to have a positive family dinner experience. It just talks about uh, cheap recipes, about uh, fast meals, about tips for conversation and how to handle uh, dinner challenges. So okay, it's a great resource. I like that. Thank you for that that website. Yes. 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 Anything else? I'm, I'm sure. Go for it, Wayne. Go for oh, it. Use oh, this I will time go well. for it. Okay. <laughs> All right. How about this? When words escalate at home or at work or at the negotiation point, mm. walk away for a time, not too long though, mm-hmm. and re-engage. So let, let those thoughts sit with us for mm-hmm. a while and then come back in before we say things that we don't want to say. Mm-hmm. Because once you say it, it's gone. You can't get it That's back. Right. That's um, right. But they say, come back a little bit later and then re-engage. Re-engage. And a better outcome is usually had when one does this. As opposed to just sitting there and fighting it and escalating it and getting mm-hmm. to, to places where we don't want to go. Okay. How about this? When things don't sit well with you and you have the authority or a position of responsibility to enact change for the better, do it. Yes. I, I, I've seen many things that just just didn't sit well with me. I, I saw, I would see people do things. I go, that that just doesn't taste right. Nope, nope, mm-hmm. nope. Got to got to mm-hmm. fix that. Good. How about this? Don't sit on your laurels as mm-hmm. people and organizations will surpass you. Success is not final. Mm. So, so much like J- Janet Jackson has says, "What have you done for me lately?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about three years ago. Okay, you were the best, whatever it was, three years ago. Yeah, that's not happening. What, you know what? And you can't take relationships for granted either. So there you go. Really? Ha, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope that. that's not new news to you. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? Not. Yes. When you do sit, think, ask, engage, research, learn, get up, and then act. So sit there, think about it, engage with others, ask others, research, learn, and then act. Okay. And my last one here, before we go to your answer to your trivia question. Oh, right. And and I'm making a, a, um, is kind of like a metaphor here or an analogy, if you will. Batteries are a good example when I say don't sit too long as Mm. they become corroded, mm-hmm. lose energy, and have to be replaced at a loss if not used when they are most ready to be used. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about people. Mm-hmm. So be it with people. If you have great people and you know they are great because you hired them to fulfill a specific role, give them the guidance Use them. and the support. And I'm kind of saying, you know, plug them in like a battery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let let them, let them do their job. And let them do their job. Exactly. Good. Good. I think that's just a great positive there. Because if you let them sit too long, the good ones are going to go away. Because right. they still have right. energy. They still have the, the excitement. They still have the need to do things. And they want to get involved. Let, let them go. Sheila. Wayne. What is the hardest thing to train a dog to, to stay. do? To stay. To stay. To stay. They're pretty good at sit, but the stay part, 
is the challenge. Okay. <laughs> My dog is staying outside the door today because he didn't want to stay inside. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> is he sitting? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't okay. Know, but he's not thumping on the door, so we're good. All right. Sheila, would you take us home, please? We definitely appreciate everybody who has sat through or stood through listening to this podcast today. <laughs> Thank you for the recommendations of some great words. Thank you for listening to us throughout the world. Please come back next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Wayne. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.